Jesus taught him parables. And, and a parable, it was just a simple story drawn from everyday life to teach a deep spiritual truth. And he did it all the time. Now, what he would do, he would teach uh, in parables to the crowds. They didn't get it most of the time. And then when he got alone with his, his disciples, he would explain the parables. So to his disciples, he gave understanding. There's always an advantage to being a disciple, really following the Lord tight because he opens up the word of God to those that are really walking with him. Amen? Now, one of his favorite parables had to do with seeds, sowing seeds. Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower. We saw in Matthew 13, Jesus gives eight parables. I mean, it amazes me what flowed from our Lord's mouth with no notes, ad-libbing, just letting it flow, profound eternal truth. No wonder it says no man spoke like this man. But he gave eight parables, four of them from a boat. He's sitting in a boat in great crowds on the shore, and he would teach. And then four of them, he went off to a house, and he taught from the house. So eight parables in all in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Kingdom of heaven is like that. Let me tell you the way the kingdom of heaven works. Let me tell you how you fit into it. Let me tell you how you may not be fitting into it. And he loved talking about seeds. So parable of the sower was the very first parable in Matthew 13. First parable I ever preached from. The first message I ever preached was out of Matthew 13, parable of the sower. Now, we're going to look at a parable today that is the second one, and it's directly connected to the first one. It's similar in a lot of ways and dissimilar in other ways. And I want to show you uh, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Now, you know it as tares, but tares are weeds. And so for alliteration's sake, I'm just going to say the wheat and the weeds. That way you're not going to forget. You're either a weed or a wheat. Weedies. <laughs> These are long Sundays for me, three, three services in a row. Yeah. But you're either a weedy, wheat, or a weedy, weed. And that's what we're about to see. Now let's read it. Matthew 13, 24, here's the very second parable right on the heels of the first one. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then behold, there's tares that also appeared. So the servants of the owner are walking through the field one day and they spot the tares and they say to the owner, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares or weeds? He said to them, what did he say, everybody? An enemy has done this. An enemy sowed something bad alongside something good. An enemy. Then the servant said to him, well, hey, do you want us to go out and gather them up, pull them out like weeds? But he said, no. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also pull up the wheat with them. Let both grow together 
until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles, uh uh-oh, to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray that as you open up your parables to the disciples, you will, by the Spirit of God, help us, your people, to understand this powerful message from you. Unlock it for us, Lord. Give us understanding. And I pray that as we get into this, Lord, that you, by your Spirit, will show us where we are, where we stand in relation to the kingdom of God. And thank you, Lord, for the shining light of the word of the living God in Jesus' name. Now, would you breathe a prayer, church, and say, today, Lord, I receive your word. This is the word of God. Speak to my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Wheaties. Isn't that weird? You know that I'm getting tired if I'm telling you to tell each other Wheaties, unless you know what it means. Now, this parable like I said, is directly connected to the parable of the sower. And it involves another sower going out to sow. And the Bible says the sower goes out to sow good seed, just like the one in the first parable. Now, here's the difference in the two parables. In the first parable, as we shared last time, the seed is the gospel. It's the word of God. It is sown into the hearts of men and women. All of us here today who are Christians, there was a moment in time where you heard the gospel. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And when you heard that, something grabbed you by the heart and you responded and that seed was sown into your heart and it has brought forth fruit. That was the first parable. And we also saw that four different people received the same message, and only one of the four produced good fruit. The other three were taken out for whatever reason or another, uh, different reasons. If you didn't didn't get it last week, if you weren't here, grab uh, the CD or look at it uh, up online because all of our messages are archived online. So the, the seed sown in the first parable was the word of God, like I'm sowing right now into your heart. The word of God, it's sowing and it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces into the dividing of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and it discerns the thoughts and intents and hidden motivations of our heart. The word of God is an eternal word. And Peter said, you were born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. But now in the second parable, the seed is not the word of God, but the seed is people who have responded to the word of God. When Jesus gives the interpretation in verses 37 through 43, he says the good seed is the sons of the kingdom or Christians. So the good seed sown in the second parable is not the word of God, but it's you, it's me, those that have been changed, transformed, born again. And and what I want you to catch from this parable is the Lord is telling us that just like he takes his word and sows it into the hearts of people, he then takes transformed people and sows them into the world. You are a sown seed. And what I want you to get from this parable, one thing 
is that wherever you are in life, whatever neighborhood you live in, wherever you work, wherever you go, wherever you have your life and go through the motions of life, I want you to see yourself as a sown seed. The, the sower was Jesus in the first parable, and the sower is Jesus in the second parable, and he sows you and me. He wants every one of us to be people of influence. Amen? He, want, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that those who are in darkness may see the light of Jesus because you and I may be the only Jesus some people ever see. So I want you to say with me, I'm a sown seed. So stop and think where you are. You're not just going through a normal, everyday, humdrum life and, and you know, there's no real meaning to your existence and you're just kind of going through the motions of life, paying the bills, raising the kids, trying to store up a little bit of a 401k so that you can retire and get your gold watch and hit the links before you die. There's more than that. You are every day a person of purpose because every day the Lord has sown you into this world to make a difference. He has sown you into this world. He further tells the disciples what I've already told you, that the field they are sown into is the world. So the first parable is the word of God being sown. The second parable is Christians being sown. Amen. Then Jesus said, let me tell you what happens when good seed is sown. It happens every time good seed is sown. You'll be able to recognize this in your own life. As soon as good seed was sown into your life, did the enemy attack or not? Oh, yes, he did. And the enemy attacks. The enemy watches when good seed is sown, and he has a tactic and he has a strategy that he tries to to put upon those who are saved, the good seed. It says in the second parable, the enemy came. He came at night. He came when nobody was looking. He came when nobody was watching. He came when people were asleep. You know, bad things happen when the church is asleep. We need to be awake, not asleep. We need to be watching, not snoring. We need to be spiritually alert. Amen? Watch. Peter said, watch out. Be aware. Be alert. Because your enemy is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And one of the ways he devours is sowing bad seed right along the good seed of our life. A tear was sown. The, the servants of the owner see all these weeds coming up right next to the wheat. Wheat, weeds, weeds, wheat. And they said, what is this? And the, and the owner said, it's a terror. And an enemy did this. An enemy did this. An enemy did this. Your enemy did this. Now, a terror is a poisonous weed. And it looks a lot like wheat. And that's, that's where the Lord's going with this. It looks a lot like wheat when it's coming out of the ground. You can't tell a tear from wheat when it's first coming out of the ground. That's one of the messages of the parable. We're talking here about false Christians being sown among true Christians. False truth right along right truth. Bad right along good. Sound right along unsound. Wicked right alongside righteous. But it looks like the righteous. That's where the Lord's going with this. It looks like the real thing. But an enemy sowed it. 
It looks like wheat. It looks like brother. It looks like sister. It looks like a believer, but it's not. If a person eats a tear or an animal eats a tear, it's poisonous. It causes nausea, convulsions, and can even kill. So Jesus is not wasting words. Our Lord never wasted a word. He knew exactly what he was saying. When he used the illustration of a terror in his parable, he knew what he was saying. He was saying the enemy will sow something poisonous right along something healthy. He, 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 he moves subtly by infiltration. He wants to affect and ruin the wheat harvest by putting tares right next to the wheat. Are you hearing me today? Now, when the, when the servants of the owner see this, they say, you want us to pull up the weeds? And the owner said, no, because you might pull up the wheat too. Now, here's the, the, uh, the message there. I kind of see this in it, that he's saying sometimes it's so hard to tell the real from the not so real that don't you be the one you put yourself in charge of going out and pulling up the weeds because you might pull up wheat along with it. You might hurt wheat by trying to pull up the weeds. Leave it to God to pull up the weeds because God knows the weeds from the wheat. So we have three things in this parable, and here they are. You have the sowing of the seed, the growing of the seed, and the mowing of the seed. The sowing of the seed is when the Lord sows good people out there into the world. The sowing of the seed is the enemy sows the wrong kind of people, counterfeit people into the world that, that pl- pretend to represent God, but they're not. So you've got the sowing of good and bad seed. Then you've got the growing of the good and bad seed. They grow up together, but then you've got the mowing of the good and bad seed. And that is harvest time when Jesus comes back. So I want you to say with me, the sowing, the growing, and the mowing. That's all in this parable. Now let me just unpack it a little bit. Let's talk first about the sowing. The sower sows good seed. It is Christians. The sower is the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person that gets saved becomes a seed in the eyes of God. You may not feel influential, but you are. You may not feel like you've got much uh, power with people, but if you take a stand for Christ, you are an influencer every time you go out the door. You're an influencer every day of your life. We are called to shine. You're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Go make a difference. Let your light so shine. And when a a farmer sows seed into the ground, he does it in anticipation that that seed is going to be germinated, put down roots, and put up fruit. As goes the roots, so goes the fruit. If it's good roots, it's good fruit. If it's bad roots, it's bad fruit. So the Lord sows us in hopes that the kingdom of God is multiplied through us internally and externally. Inside of us, he's looking for love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and ever-increasing faith. And outside of us, externally, he's looking for us to touch people for him, to be a witness, to shine, to not be a closet Christian. Listen, everything's coming out of the closet. We might as well. Come on, everybody. (laughs) 
And then Jesus said, the devil also does some sowing. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute because he's giving us an insight here into how the devil operates. I don't want to lift him up, but I do want to expose him. He says the devil works this way. The devil is also a sower. Of course, he's a copycat. He counterfeits everything God does. God created seed, and he created everything to produce and reproduce after its own kind. God is the one who created the whole principle of seeds and seed growth and multiplication. So the devil also has grabbed God's creation, and he uses it, and he sows something like a seed. He also hopes it will put down root. He also hopes it will put up fruit. He also hopes that it will choke out and affect and corrupt the good seed, the wheat that God sows. Because this enemy went into this field to sabotage what the owner had done in his field. The owner is Jesus. The field is the church and the world. He sows good seed into the world. And the enemy comes along and says, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to contest this. I'm going I'm to attack this. So how do I do it? I sow false seed, fake seed, phony seed, lookalike seed, counterfeit seed. And I want it to grow up right alongside the right kind of seed, the good seed. I want it growing up right alongside of it. And hopefully it'll choke out the good seed. And I will thereby have sabotage what the owner did in the field. That night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. Then he slipped away. Now, I'm going to go where the parable goes here. The parable goes here, Jesus is distinguishing good from bad, right from wrong, true from counterfeit. He's distinguishing. He always did that. See, we live in a relativistic culture. And that means there is no certain truth. Whatever you say is true is your truth. And we're supposed to respect your truth, even if it goes against the truth of what we know in God. So we're in a culture that has embraced relativism. And that's why we're in an increasingly insane, irrational culture. Up is down and down is up. And light is dark and dark is light. And good is bad and bad is good. And moral is immoral and immoral is moral. It's crazy. But that happens when you reject the word of God and embrace relativism because the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's always going to end up in death. That's why we need the word of God. Amen? Now, one thing Jesus was not is a relativist. Jesus told us what was good and bad, right and wrong, true and false. He, there was no fence in between with Jesus. He said, you're for me or you're against me. You're with me or you're not. You're in or you're not. You're a child of God or a child of the enemy. You're born again or you're not. You're born once or you're born twice. There is no gray area with the Lord Jesus. And you know what? There's not really in life. Relativism is the road to insanity because man cannot find truth on his own. Man will only find truth as God leads him. So 
Paul wrote of these people, Jesus said in verse 38, interpreting the parable, he said, the terrors are the people of the evil one. So these are people. Who the Lord sows into the world is people, Christians. Who the enemy sows right next to them is people. And they are people, I'm just reading the Bible, people of the evil one. See, folks, if we don't know the Lord Jesus, then we are, we are in cahoots with the enemy. That's why Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. There's no in-between. And so here's the deal. Um, he said, these are people of the evil one. Until you're born twice, you are of your father, the devil. Because we act like him, talk like him, and do what he wants us to do. But when we're born again, born twice, we have another father. And when we have another father, God's our father. And that's why we look up and we say, Abba, Father. Amen? So Jesus said, the good seed is Christians. The bad seed is people of the evil one. So they are counterfeits. They are lookalikes, but they're not true. Paul said this about this kind of person. They, they will do things to make it look as if they're Christians. But they will not receive the power that is for a Christian. They'll, 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 oh yeah, I go to church, oh yeah, and they'll walk around looking religious, spouting off religious statements and phrases and whatnot. They'll, they'll, they'll try to impress people by how they carry themselves and what they say. But, but Jesus said, you got good seeds sown in the field and you got bad seeds sown in the field, one by God and the other by the enemy. And the enemy sowed something that is meant to look like the real thing, but it's not. This explains how the wrong people gain influence and the church and wind up hurting the church and not blessing the church. They appear to be Christians, but they have been sown by the devil. This is why Jesus warned us when they said, Lord, what are we to look for in the last days before you come? Before you, you know, appear in the eastern sky, what is it going to look like in the culture, in society, in the world? And Jesus, the first thing he said, beware. Everybody say beware of false teachers who come disguised as harmless sheep. But they are wolves and they will tear you apart. Now here he's talking about false teachers who, who, uh, they're dressed like sheep. They're dressed like sheep. They want you to believe they're sheep. They want you to believe they're like you. But they have a false message. They have a false Christ. They have a false Messiah. They have a false lifestyle. They are not who they say they are. They infiltrate the seminaries. They infiltrate so-called Christian TV and radio. They infiltrate churches. They, they say they're the real thing, but they're not. And Jesus said, you better watch out for them because if, if, if they're not uh, discerned and picked up on, they will tear the sheep apart like a wolf would. God sows the good seed in the field of the world. The enemy sows the bad seed in the, in the field of the world. So the first part of the parable is we've got two sowers, the God and the devil. One of them sows good seed, Christians. The other one sows bad seed, supposed Christians. But they look the same. And after the sowing, we have the growing. The workers in the, par- in the parable want to know from the owner. They, they want to know, hey, do you want us to go pull out these bad weeds? We can go get them right now. We'll go find out who they are, and we'll pull them out. And Jesus says, no. Let both grow together until the harvest. So you've got tares growing up right alongside the wheat. 
They're right there, right alongside the wheat. A true Christian sitting next to a false one. A true preacher on TV right next to a false one. A genuine believer sitting in church right next to a false one. A true church on the same block as a false cult. People using the name of Jesus, speaking the name of Jesus, acting like they're from Jesus, but they're not. And in the parable, Jesus suggests that sometimes you'll know who the false ones are, and sometimes you won't. He said you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way, they act. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions or the life that they live. With the ones that are clearly, obviously tares, they'll say Jesus, speak Jesus, but they don't live it. I expect everybody to be up screaming and shouting right about now. And so, but I've got I've to tell it like it is here because I'm just t- telling you what your Savior said. I'm just quoting your Savior here. So let's go with it. Do they embrace and order their lives around what the Bible teaches or do they not? Jesus said, it's not what they say, it's what they do. It's how they live. It's their lifestyle. You will know them by the fruit they produce. You will know them. Is it corrupt fruit or good fruit? Because a corrupt tree can't give you good fruit and a good tree can't give you corrupt fruit. You will eventually know it by the fruit they produce. But then he also says, sometimes only God knows. Sometimes only God knows. That's why he says, Don't you go out there and try pulling the weeds up with the wheat because you may grab hold of somebody that it is wheat, but because they've got some imperfections or they're struggling with some things, you may call them a tear. So here's the deal. Only God knows, and the real truth will only be known in the mowing time. There is the sowing time. There is the growing time. And there is the mowing time. Now, right now, we are in the age of grace. That is, whosoever will, let him call upon the name of the Lord, and he shall be saved. Amen? We're in the sowing time. I mean, thank God. Every Sunday, for weeks now, we've had people saved. There were people saved in the first service. It was beautiful to see. You know why they were saved? Because it's sowing time. And and then once they're saved, it's growing time. But then there comes mowing time. And the mowing time is when Jesus comes back. Let me tell you, the Lord Jesus is coming back. I said, Jesus is going to come back. The Bible says a trumpet is going to blow. An angel is going to give a shout. The voice of the archangel is going to cry out. And those of us who are here and alive and walking around and know the Lord are going up immediately, instantly, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, the dead in Christ are going to come out first. That's why all the tombs in graveyards and cemeteries across America point east. Because Jesus is appearing in the eastern sky. And in faith, they are buried that way. And they're coming out. And they'll receive immediately glorified bodies just like the Lord was glorified when he came out of the tomb. We're going to have glorified bodies. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more cancer. 
No more heart disease. No more arthritis. No more depression. No more devil. No more flesh. No more warfare. But peace, amazing peace, incredible peace, endless peace. But it happens in the mowing. Jesus said, nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Ooh, did you catch that? And when will this happen? When nothing is secret that's not going to be revealed. When the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. They make the difference. They make the distinction. They immediately know who has the blood on their life and who doesn't. And they make the distinction immediately. They alone can tell. Just like God said of Israel before they were delivered from Egypt. When he said, put the blood on the doorpost of your homes and on the sides of the doors. Because the death angel is going to pass by. And when he sees the blood... He will pass over you. He will see the blood and pass over you. He will not judge you, touch you, hurt you. He will pass over you. And then God said, because I will make a distinction between my people and the Egyptians. Only God can make this distinction. And when the angels come, they're going to distinguish. They're going to immediately know who's got the blood on the door of their heart and on the sides of their life. And those who practice lawlessness, and Jesus said they will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's too much for me to even think about. I only know I don't want to be there. And then he said at the same time, the righteous are going to shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. So, folks, the day is coming, the mowing time. There has been the sowing time, and we're in it. There's the growing time, and we're in it. But there's coming the mowing time when Jesus returns, and the sowing and the growing are done, because now here comes the mowing, and the harvest will come. And Jesus said it's going to be a time of shock and awe for some people, and it's going to be a time of joy and celebration for others. Shock and awe. On Judgment Day, Jesus said many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord. We prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. In other words, we used your name all the time. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. There's an insight here. They talked the talk, but they weren't walking the walk. That's what he means by you broke God's laws. You, you, you talked the talk, you used his name, but you used his name for profit like so many people do out there. They use his name to make a whole bunch of money. They use his name to get what they want, but they're not using his name because they know him. Isn't it true? Jesus said in closing, when mowing time comes and I return, two men will be walking together and working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Hey, Joe, how's it been going? Joe, great. How's the wife? Oh, they're doing great. How's the kids? They're doing great. Joe, where'd you go?
two women will be grinding flour at the mill. Let me make it easy. Two women will be working at 7-Eleven. One will be taken. The other left. Luke adds, that night, two people will be asleep in the same bed. One will be taken and the other left. I take that to be husband and wife. The wife goes, the husband goes. Two women working together, one goes, the other remains. Jesus is saying, when the angels come, they're going to make a distinction. They're going to know who is really real and who isn't, who was wheat and who was weeds. And they'll make the distinction. And they'll know who it is. And they'll do a perfect job of distinguishing. So in closing, I want to leave you with three simple things to remember with this parable. In the sowing time, we're reminded that we are sown by God, like good wheat into the field of the world to make a difference. Can you say with me again, I'm a sown seed. In the growing time, before the Lord returns, we're encouraged to grow up into him in all things, into the fullness of the stature of Christ, and bear kingdom fruit internally and externally. And in the mowing time, we're urged to always be ready for his return, because soon and very soon, any time. It could be today. Could you stand up with me? I was thinking about this this week, how I have this routine. When I wake up in the morning, I comb my hair, brush my teeth, and I go and I, I get coffee, which God made on the eighth day and said it is good. It, it's my only habit, and I don't want to be set free, so don't pray for me. But I have, a, I have a little routine that I get into the Word of God. Now, it occurred to me when he comes, there's going to be a day when I do those things for the last time. I won't know it's the last time, but it'll be the last time. Have you ever thought about that? Well, you go out the front door, you've done your routine, and somewhere during the day, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And you didn't know it, but you did all those things for the last time. Kissed the kids goodbye. Got into that car. Went down that familiar street to that familiar job. Last time. The last time. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, thank you that we are good seed sown into the world to make a difference. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing grace that brought conviction to our hearts and the Holy Spirit who led us to the foot of the cross, that beautiful blood-soaked cross and that beautiful empty tomb Lord, there are some, maybe here today, maybe watching in our webcast, who don't know you, who may know a lot of Bible verses, maybe carry a Bible around, but never been born again. And Lord, we all had that moment. We need to be born again. So Lord, I pray by the mercy of God that today you would make a distinction to us in our heart 
that if we need to know, you'll show us, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says to you, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and I am lowly. And you will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and following me is light. My burden is light. Do you know him today? I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask God to just speak to you, speak to all of us. He needed to speak to me. I've been there. And I love you today, and he loves you more than me. But we're going to pray a prayer. We're just going to go to Jesus. Even if you're coming back to him from having drifted, come back to him. Come back while it's the sowing time and the growing time. Come back before it's mowing time. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Just pray it right to him. Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, forgive me my terrible sins against God and against others and against myself. And come into my heart as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, turn me from weed to wheat right now. Now with your heads bowed, say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Would you put your hand up right where it is? Just put your hand up. Put it up high. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Put it up. God bless you and you and you and you back there. God bless you. And over here, God bless you. I want all of you whose hands are raised, would you look at me? If your hand is raised, just look up at me. I'm going to ask you uh, to do something. I want you to just make your way down to the altar. I want you to, would you step out for Jesus and just come down? Because I want to pray for you again right here. And then I want to give you something I can't give you out there. So come down now, would you? If you raise your hand, come on, come on. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Come on. I'm going to wait for you. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. I'm going to wait for you. Come on. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Keep coming. Keep coming. And this is just such a beautiful sight to me because, you know, there's going to be a time. It's no more sowing time. And it's no more growing time. Mowing time is when it's too late. So right now we're going to pray. And I want to thank God for all of you. Any of you visiting for the first time? Here and here. All right? Second time. Good. If you bring people here, they're liable to get saved. If you bring your neighbors here, they're liable to get saved. I want to encourage you to do that. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I just want to see a real moving of the Spirit. Just a real, this is a moving of the Spirit. This is. Amen? It is. So we're going to pray together. Father, thank you for these precious people, and I pray that they will bring forth much fruit. And, Lord, I thank you for growing time in, in, in their life. It's growing time in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. Robert is going to take you right over here to the side for a moment and help you to fill something out. And I'm going to come as soon as I dismiss the service. I'm going to come over and I want to meet you, okay? So I'm going to ask you to go right over here and right over there. Amen. Isn't that beautiful to see? Amen. Good, good, good. Now, tonight is life group meetings. How many of you have never been to a life group? Tell the truth. You're in church. Never been to a life group. Put your hands up high. Boy, you did half mast on me there. Quarter mast. All right. The life groups are the lifeblood of this church because it's the way we turn a congregation into a family. So I want to encourage you to go to a life group tonight. It's very easy to find out. They're going to put an address up here in just a moment. There it is. Well, it's there, but not there. There it is. Now, you can go to that website, type in your zip code, and it'll show you the life group nearest you. If you want to go out into the foyer, there is, a, there is a life group wall. And all of our life groups and the pictures of the life leaders are there on little handouts. And, you, and they're there by zip code, and you can find the one closest to you. Now, try a life group. So I've already been in church today, but you haven't been to a life group. Amen? Our life groups are a different kind of church. They eat great food. They worship. They get a great message. And you get to know people. I want to see everyone here become known by others in the church. And you get to know them. I don't want you to be like you're visiting a restaurant. Where do you want to eat today? Well, I feel like um, a kind of a strong word. Let's go to Turning Point. Well, I feel like a, a faith message. Let's go over there. Well, I feel like this, that, or the other. Let's go over there. no. I want you to quote something with me. Those that are planted. Planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So who flourishes? Those that are planted. So flip it. Who doesn't flourish? Those that aren't planted. Something happens when you get rooted and planted in a local church. It's true. Amen. And there are churches who do everything they can to get you to go over there. They constantly proselyte. They try to uproot people. Their members do it. And they don't understand that you're uprooting something that's been planted. So if somebody invites you, you need to come over here, you need to come over there, you need to do this, say to them, hey, it's like if you're married and somebody starts hitting on you. You say, excuse me, I'm very happy. Right? Come on. There are churches that, man, they're always hitting on you. And just look at them and say, you know what? Back off. I'm happy. I'm planted. Now that's free. I never thought of that till just now. So that's what you say to people always trying to get you to go over here and over there and over yonder. Say, I'm happy. Leave me alone. Go home. Win your own souls. All right. Ask me if I'm happy. I'm happy. All right. I'm happy. (laughs) Ladies, 
I want to, if, if you're not planted in the women's ministry, we want to see you get planted. Um, how many of you have already heard about the women's conference coming up August in August and planning on coming? Wonderful. Okay. Those of you that don't know, August 28th and 29th, put it on your calendar. We're going to be having Brenda Crouch and Sheila Walsh speak. It's going to be an amazing time. So please come. All righty. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you as you leave. Father, thank you for these precious people. Thank you, Lord, that we are good seed, wheat. And Lord, as we go today, we know that we are sown wheat and we are going out into the harvest of the world. Let every person in here be influential for Jesus this week. In his mighty name, amen. God bless you as you go. We love you. Amen.